Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we're very thankful to have you tuned in. If you happen to live in the North Mississippi area, we would certainly invite you to come and worship with us. I'm the pastor at Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, and we share time on this program with Elder Joe Nettles, who's the pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. And we both meet on Sunday mornings, every Lord's Day, beginning at 10.30 a.m., and we'd certainly love to meet you in person and for you to come out and worship with us. We also have a joint meeting in Starkville, Mississippi, at the New Covenant Church on West Garrett Road, Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., and I'd also encourage you to go to Facebook, like Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church on Facebook, and also like Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church on Facebook. As you can see, as we go live on Wednesday nights on Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church page, and also they do Facebook live streams for Sulphur Springs on Sunday mornings as well. Go to the website for this program, gospel-of-grace.com, and you can find all of our past content and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. And also you can go to our website at Macedonia, macedonia-pbc.org, and we have a lot of sermons and content on there that we certainly hope will be beneficial for you. If you listen, please email us. We would love to know that you're out there and also love to know through what medium you listen to this program as well. That's very beneficial for us as we make decisions about programming. So we would love to hear from you and please contact us. Please email us if you listen and enjoy the program or if you have any questions. If there's anything we can help you out with, please let us know. This morning, we'd like to continue our thoughts on spiritual warfare. We've been considering the scouting report for the enemies of the church, and today we would like to focus on the world, the world that is against us and the world that hated Jesus Christ, and because it hated Christ, the world is going to hate us as well. So we'd like to consider that together this morning and hope the Lord will bless our consideration of God's Word together on the program today. Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you. And we would like to continue our consideration of spiritual warfare and the enemies of the church. We've considered Satan and unclean beast and the worldwide kingdoms that oppose God's people. And now we would like to consider the world. And that's a broad generalization, right? The world, which is kind of a nebulous thing. We know as we study scripture that the world means a lot of different things in the word of God. And the world can mean many different things. But one of the aspects of the world is the fallen world system apart from God. The remnants of a broken world that is now cursed with sin that is antagonistic and opposing to God. We'd like to introduce these thoughts from 1 John chapter 2. As the Apostle John, who also wrote the book of Revelation, we see a picture of the world, so to say, of the fallen world system 
system apart from God and persecuting God's people. We see a presentation of that in the Babylonian horde that we want to make our way to in a little bit. But the Apostle John was the one who was blessed with those visions and blessed with the ability to write that of the book of Revelation. And the Apostle John also wrote this as well in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. But the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we have here a world that is, again, antagonistic toward God. It says in the book of James that to be friends with the world, friendship with the world is enmity with God. So there's no straddling the fence. We need to understand that as children of God. There is no straddling the fence of serving Christ and serving the world. We cannot be complicit and content in this world and go along to get along with the popular sways of culture. Just because popular opinion changes on a biblical truth does not mean that that truth changes. Just because this world now is saying that murdering babies is okay, that transgender is okay, that male and female is not a biological certainty, that sodomy is acceptable and we just need to accept everyone following their own definition of love. If that's what the culture says around us, we do not sway from the truth of God's word just because popular opinion changes, okay? So the world is always going to be antagonistic toward God. And that's why we can't be friends with the world. We can't say that it's okay to do all those things that the world is promoting and truly serve God. And what are the three main characteristics of the world that he describes right here? Which are the three things that we battle with every single day. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the last enemy that we want to consider in this spiritual warfare series, the last enemy is the flesh which is internal, which we're our own worst enemy most of the time. But notice what's the first pitfall of the world, the lust of the flesh, right? So the world and the flesh work together, unfortunately, to entice us to do things that we ought not do. And then the pride of life says, you deserve this. We're very prideful people by nature. And Satan, Lucifer, is a prideful being. And so Lucifer, the father of pride, tries to latch onto our own pride and entice us to go into the world. So pride says, I deserve this. And lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes said, I really want that. And then we end up sinning and following the way of the world. I want you to understand just how diametrically opposed to God the world is. And Jesus makes it very clear that the world hated him. The world hated Jesus when he was in this world. And if we're going to be disciples of Christ, then the world is going to hate us too. It is a reality. It is just a biblical default reality that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, that doesn't mean that every child of God is going to suffer persecution. Why? Because many of them aren't living as godly as they ought to. They're not living as boldly as they ought to. And I'm not saying that all of us are going to be called to have a gun to our head or be facing physical death 
and you either deny Christ or we're going to kill you. That may not be the persecution that we face, but we will face persecution from this world, even if that persecution is as simple as being mocked by an atheist because you believe there's a God or being yelled at and cussed at by a pro-abortionist, wicked, vile baby murderer because you support life and you support the protection of the life of that innocent baby. And even to a lesser degree, you can suffer persecution from simply believing in the doctrines of grace, that salvation is by God alone, and God doesn't give you a choice, and salvation is not by free will, because that's so opposed to the natural disposition of doctrinal Christianity right now, that you can receive great deal of persecution because you affirm publicly that you believe in the doctrines of grace. But if you live godly, if you live boldly your faith out in this world, you're not going to be friends with everybody. Okay? Jesus actually said in the Gospels, Woe unto them when all men speak well of you. You should be concerned if you don't have people that aren't your biggest fans. That doesn't mean you go around being a jerk to everybody, right? No, we need to live like Christ and be kind and be loving. But if you stand for biblical principles in a fallen, wicked world, you will have people that you're going to have friction with. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verses 8 and 9, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of this world, but I have chosen you out of this world, therefore the world hateth you. John 17, verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. So when we serve God faithfully here in this world and we don't compromise to the culture around us, we stand for biblical principles, we stand for the doctrines of grace, we stand for the gospel, we stand for God, there will be antagonism here in this world because this world hated the Son of God so much that they put to death, falsely accused the innocent Son of God. The world hated the Son of God so much that they put him to death for being perfect. So if we live godly, we should not be surprised when the world hates us and wants to injure us and wants to hurt us when they put to death the perfect sinless Son of God, okay? This world will hate us. Now, just like we've been saying about governmental leaders, principalities and powers, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. That person that is opposing you, yes, they are your enemy, no doubt. They're trying to hurt you, but there's a bigger story than that. There's a bigger thing at play than just that one person who doesn't like you. No, this is the world persecuting you. This is the world hating Christ and hating you, you see? So we have to battle this world every single day. And it can be very difficult. It can be very enticing to go along to get along. It can be very enticing to keep my mouth shut and just try to fit in. But we are called to be light. We're called to be the light of the world in a city that's set on a hill in a dark place. And if the church 
does not shine its light to the wickedness and the darkness of this world, then nobody else can. It's not just that nobody else will. I mean, if we have the light, if the light of the world puts it under a bushel, it's not just that other people won't, it's that they can't, you see? So it is our responsibility to shine out our light against the darkness of this world. And that's another reason why this world hates Jesus and why it will hate us if we shine our light brightly. Now, if we put our light under a bushel, we may be able to dodge it a little bit. But if we shine our light brightly, one of the reasons why the world is not going to like us is because we are illuminating and shining light on their wickedness. That's what happened with Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Why is it that these wicked Pharisees and scribes, these whited sepulchers who were of their father the devil, which they had ascended to principalities and powers there in that time, which is the political machine of the synagogue and the Sanhedrin. These wicked, unregenerate men that had been elevated in a religious society because that was the politics of their day. So they gravitated and they elevated in the Sanhedrin and they could not stand Jesus Christ coming and condemning them, particularly like on the Sermon on the Mount. Man, don't you know that they were just seething and foaming at the mouth and trying to gnash on him with their teeth when he calls them out by name that you are doing these things just to be seen of men. And you have exactly what you're looking for to, to have the praise of men. And he says, look, you don't give your alms that way. You don't pray that way. You go do it in secret where nobody sees you. And all he does is condemn them. They hated that. Why did they hate it? Because Jesus came and he told the truth. Jesus came and he shed light on their wickedness. And this world does not like being told how wicked they are. I mean, it is just a biological fact, and it should be as logical as anything in this world, that life begins at conception. When you can detect a heartbeat of a child in the womb of his mother, it is evident, it is evident that that is no human being. But there are pro-abortionists that just can't stand Stand being told that. Why? Because there is someone shining light on their wickedness. The fact of the matter is they want to have the right to murder anybody they want whenever they want to with no consequences and they use the pretense of women's choice and women's health. The fact of the matter is they just want to murder those babies. Now why is it that they don't like the pro-life people saying anything? Why is it? Because they do not like light being shown on their wickedness. You see? And Jesus got the same response here in this world. And if we let our light shine brightly, like I said earlier, if we put our light under a bushel, we can get away with it. But God is not honored in that. God is not glorified when we put our light under a bushel. We can put it under a bushel and we can get away with it for a little bit. But when we let our light shine boldly, there are going to be some people that don't like being told they're in the wrong. Okay? There are some pro-abortionists that don't like being told the truth that they are a murderer. There are some homosexuals that don't like being told the truth, that that is an abomination to God. They don't like being told the truth. And what happens? What happens when God's people tell them the truth? They try to shut up the messenger. Just like Stephen. Stephen told those wicked Pharisees that you are sinful and he just raked them over the coals. And what, what happened? They were cut to the heart 
They gnashed on him with their teeth and they knew they were in the wrong. And what did they do? What did they wanted to do? They just wanted to shut up the messenger. That's what, the, that's what the Pharisees wanted to do with Jesus. They thought they could just kill Jesus, shut him up, and then we can get back to having the same rule and power and authority and bondage over these people that we've always had. But they did not expect, <laughs> they did not expect for when we killed him to be resurrected from the dead. They didn't expect that. <laughs> But what did they want to do? They wanted to shut up the messenger. They wanted to shut up the messenger because they did not like the light being shown on their own wickedness. And that's what happens when we stand for truth here in this world, okay? And that is why the world will hate us. And just like Jesus, they will try to silence the messenger because they can't stand light being shown on their own wickedness, okay? Let's go to Revelation chapter 17 and this picture, this figurative picture of the fallen world system apart from God is presented in the Babylonian whore. Now, all the way back to the book of Genesis, when Nimrod set up the Tower of Babel. You remember the Tower of Babel? That they met together and they said that we're going to build a tower that's going to go up to heaven. And the remnant of Babel, now we know that God confused the languages. They weren't able to do that. But that is the beginning. The Tower of Babel is the beginning of the kingdom of Babylon, okay? Nimrod set up Babylon, and to a large degree, you have this theme all throughout Scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. To a large degree, a tale of two cities, the story of Babylon, which is the world. It's man saying we can be our own God. It's man saying we're going to do our own thing, and then God overruling that and confounding that. But men saying we're going to do what we want to do. You have the city of Babylon, but then you have the city of Jerusalem, which is the city of God. So to a large degree, you have this theme in the Bible all the way from Genesis to Revelation of a tale of two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. And you have this Babylonian whore. Babylon has been afflicting God's people all the way back to Genesis. And you have this Babylonian whore, and there's a lot of speculation about who this Babylonian whore is, that it's apostate Christianity, that it's Roman Catholicism, that it's the Pope. But I just want to highlight some of these verses right here that describe who this Babylonian whore is. And this is way too broad to be apostate Christianity. It's way too broad to be the Pope, okay? In my opinion, and you can search this out for yourself, but in my opinion, this is presenting the worldwide fallen system of this world apart from the influence of God, okay? So in Revelation chapter 17, we find this whore that first of all sets upon many waters. Now, what are the many waters? 17 and 15. The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and tongues and nations. So this Babylonian whore has influenced the whole world, okay? And all nations, 18.3, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, what is this Babylonian whore consumed with? 17.6, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. 18.24, in her was found the blood of the prophets. So this is going back to the Old Testament. 
right? The blood of the prophets and saints, that's New Testament, of all that were slain upon the earth. 17.4, this woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of all the earth. So you have her decked in this beautiful jewelry and these expensive clothes. She glorified herself and lived deliciously. She has said in her heart, I am a queen and no widow and shall see with no sorrow. This Babylonian whore is in league with the beast. It's in league with the kingdoms of this world, which again, this Babylonian whore is in league with the beast that goes all the way back to the Babylonian empire under Nebuchadnezzar, right? That predates the Pope. That predates apostate Christianity, right? This whore has been in conjunction and in league with the beast of worldwide governments persecuting God's people since the beginning of the world. And she is right there with the beast in being drunk with the blood of the saints. She's in league with the kings of this earth. The kings of this earth committed fornication with her. And I think one of the most important things to understand is this world system apart from God, we find that this Babylonian whore is presented in conjunction with the world economy and with commerce. 18 and 3, the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And then we find in the 18th chapter that Babylon has fallen. Now what happens when Babylon falls? What happened when the fallen world system collapses at the end of time? 1811, the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her for no no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and all of this. Cinnamon, odors, etc., etc. The fruits that thy soul lusted after departed after thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly before have parted. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. 1817, for in one hour so great of riches it is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the companies and ships and sailors, they cried when they saw her burning. Verse 23, the merchants were the great men of the earth, for by the sorceries were all nations deceived. So it's describing merchants, it's describing ships, it's describing all different types of goods. So this financial structure, which by the way, we talked last time about the final manifestation of the beast of the man of sin, it certainly appears that at this depiction of the fall of Babylon and the destruction of the Babylonian whore, it appears that there will be a severe, beyond severe, economic collapse prior to the second coming of the Lord. Uh, not, not only will the man of sin come to power, he possibly will consolidate financial transactions. This might have something to do with the mark of the beast. You have to worship me. You have to worship that I am God. If he gets control of the whole financial sector that's all digital, you can't swipe your card to buy anything unless you worship me. Well, that's going to cause an economic collapse. All this warfare at the end of time is going to cause an economic collapse. So it appears that there's going to be a severe worldwide depression prior to the second coming of the Lord. And that coincides with this figurative fall of the Babylonian horn. But you see how involved she is with economy and commerce and goods and money, right? 
And if you're going to be successful, not just having a good local business or having maybe even being a millionaire, but if you're going to be a billionaire with a B, if you're going to have a worldwide public company where you're going to be a billionaire, you're going to have to do business with the world. You're going to have to cut corners, okay? So that's just the natural disposition of this world. If you're going to be a worldwide corporation nowadays, you have to be in league with the Babylonian whore. You have to be in league with the fallen worldly ideologies that this world perpetuates. But probably the most important thing to highlight about this Babylonian whore that is for a time in league with the beast, but then the beast ends up turning on her, is that she was drunk with the blood of the saints. Remember, the world will hate you. The world can, does, and will hate you. And her desire, this whore's desire, just like Jezebel's desire, was to kill the man of God and to silence the messenger, right? Jezebel wanted to silence Elijah in the same way this wicked Babylonian whore wants to silence God's people, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs. But she is destroyed too. And that's what we need to keep in mind as we go through the enemies of the church. Every single one of these are going to be destroyed. Satan, the beast, the false prophet, the Babylonian whore are all going to be destroyed at the end of time. This world's going to be destroyed and replaced with the new heavens and the new earth. And praise God, our flesh, which is our last enemy that we're going to consider next time, our flesh is going to be destroyed too as we've been regenerated in our heart, but then our bodies are going to be resurrected, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So all of these enemies, we got to deal with them now, but they will all be defeated by the second coming of the Lord and the resurrection of the dead. So we cannot be friends with the world here in our lives. Now, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And there are certain things we have to do to transact business, but we always have to be mindful that at the end of the day, we obey God rather than men, okay? We do not compromise those principles. That's the whole reason why those Christians in the book of Revelation, who this was written to, were facing martyrdom was because they refused to sacrifice a pinch of incense at the altar to Caesar. They refused to worship Caesar as God. Why? Because I worship the one true and the living God, okay? And we cannot be friends with this world. We cannot compromise. The church cannot compromise. The church cannot put our light under a bushel. It is our responsibility to be the light of the world and a city that's set on a hill and to be a witness against the wickedness and the fallen depravity and debauchery and wickedness of this world. It is our responsibility to be a witness of that. And we cannot compromise. We cannot compromise because we are the witness of Jesus Christ here in this world. And that's why John said, any man that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is no straddling the fence. To be a servant of Christ is to forsake the world. But marvel not at this. That's what Jesus said. Don't be surprised. Marvel not at this when the world hates you. But just trust God, serve him faithfully, and he will give you strength to withstand the temptations of all of our enemies of Satan, of worldwide kingdoms, of the flesh, but also he will give you strength to endure the persecution from the world as well. Let's do our best to fight a good warfare of faith today, and I hope this message and 
the continuation of these messages on spiritual warfare have been encouraging to you. We praise God if it has been. To God be the glory. And may he give us strength to serve him faithfully here in this fallen world system until Jesus Christ comes back, takes us home to be with him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.